Welcome back, everybody, to the Precision Unloaded podcast. Uh, you're once again, you have Graham and Mark here, the uh, your usual hosts. No guests this week. This is episode thirty-four of our um, of New Zealand's seventeenth most popular sports podcast. Um, I really should check those rankings. We may have slid down slightly, but we'll hold on to that um, now comical title. Um, uh, evening, Mark. How are you? You're not bad. Not bad. How's the uh, how's the Bat- stinking hot summer? Treating the farm. Oh, it's just great. January was a <clears throat> perler. I doubt if you had any rain that did any like, good to the. Green, if you like right? a developing desert, no, yes. it's rain's coming this weekend. I hope so. Okay. Anyway, I tell you um, what, though, the rain always has been talk good. about the weather. Yes, <laughs> the rain has been good for sh- no rain has been good for shooting. I will add because um, it has it's dust very easy. splashes are awesome. Oh yes, especially we were with shooting this. the mile the other day. Yes, and the, though we can stand out beautifully so um no so yes again this episode we're going to cover up a cop cover off a couple of things we're going to go over our most recent event which is was uh the 2022 surplus steel um sort of a, a field style military style match for um service rifles so bolt action service rifles from the first segment of war and then um, also had a, a sniper class that went a little bit newer up into the 80s um so we'll go over that um a very very cool event uh, possibly not everyone's cup of tea most guys are here for the, the, the precision stuff but um again very fun event and it ran pretty smooth and then we're also going to talk about um sort of our picks for different things from 2020 so um rifles scopes events um shooters who we thought done the best who um best you know maybe not best improved but um who's who ones to watch maybe um, now this is going to centre more around what we see in the North Island. Again, we don't make it down to the south as much as we would like um, due to logistics and all of that. So if we miss something from the South Island or we miss a piece of equipment you use, it's just because we don't use it or we're not familiar with it. Um, other than that, so we'll just go over the normal stuff at the start. So Mark, what have you been up to for the last few weeks since we uh, last talked? Uh, we had the surplus steel, which we'll talk about next. Um, I had someone come up and test shooting two Ks, um, which worked out well for them. So the first time we worked out where to put a two K target, which is on Mount Doom. If anyone remember knows that from people that are familiar with the shoots we have up here, um, and you can shoot it from the back of the farm anywhere from. A thousand thirteen hundred two k to two and a half k. I just measured out today, so so that's going to be exciting. It's got a good back stop, um, which will show splash pretty well. So yeah, but uh, young Anthony hit it uh, three out of three from Cold Bore at two kilometres. So that set him up for down south. I was pretty impressed, to say the least. So what you'd say is you you played a big part in him taking the victory in the two kilometre. Yeah, my tips tips and advice I gave him were invaluable, <laughs> especially when he fired his first shot and I was just like, oh, the target's moving. <laughs> I was looking for splash. I was spotting. You know, it's like, oh, that's a hit. Oh, I ain't gonna say anything. Oh, sorry. Anyway, yeah. So it's pretty phenomenal to see um a 2k shot on a 900 millimeter plate first up so hmm. uh what else has been happening obviously 
Got a trench digging and people haven't filled in the trench. No, there's even dead animals in it now. <laughs> yeah, lucky I can cover them over. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. one of my sheep that try and find ways to die every day has decided to die in the trench. So yeah, that's yeah. handy. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you been managing to get out and do a bit of pest control or are they sort of out of the way in this hot weather? No, nah, not a lot. Just preparing to go and have a war on possums shortly, so... Now that the hay's out of the way, so well, and the goat, goats are pretty uh, lying low, so yeah. So if you've got some twenty-two practice, we'll do a bit of a possum mission at some stage. That sounds like fun. Maybe we get a couple of the boys and yeah, yeah. cool. Um, what have I been uh, up to? What else? No, what? Uh, oh, yeah. the other thing is I resurrected my two-two-four Valkyrie. Oh yes, and, um, infamous. Put a. Thanks to Target Dynamics, MDT. Can you remember the stock name? That is a MDT XRS. That's it, XRS. So it's like a um, crossover chassis, um, which basically means it can take 10 round mags, or 9 round mags they are, which are on their way. MDT is now making 9 round 224 Valkyrie mags, which also work with the 6 arc. Oh, so they're a proprietary mag for those mini Yeah, like, like, yeah. The fat mini action calibers, basically. So. Oh, nice. Because now this turns that into a viable field gun, where yeah. it just wasn't before with the magazine. That's I'm no, actually no. looking forward to that being there. No, super easy to install. The existing screws and everything were the same, so I had actually had screws in the that screw straight into the Savage action. So hmm, easy to do. Yeah. And uh, looks great. Yes, it is a, a huge step up. I mean, the the AccuFit stock, which is a hunter type stock with a you can up the cheek piece and stuff, but it's uh, not. Oh, it was a bit big for me. I'm not exactly, um, you know, the size of Tyson Fury, put it that way. So it just was never a comfortable stock, and actually made the trigger pull a bit annoying because the um, you know, they have a blade, safety blade, yeah, accu trigger thing. So it actually ended up accidentally trigger or tripping the safety on it. Because of the way the trigger pull was un- uncomfortable. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. That's cool. Well, so no that's, doubt that's, we'll talk about that, that is more. on, and um, I'm going to go and have a muck around with it and see how it's going. So I haven't yep. shot it for a while. No, yeah. I think it would have been the last time would have been eight, six, eight months ago, wouldn't it? Back in winter. Yeah. Some one k. Yeah. Thing is, I've got I've got a stockpile of ammo, so that's good. We're well, the only person in the country who buys it, so. Anyway, um, and when it stops turning up, we have all the stuff to reload it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what? Uh, again, I'll ask myself, Graham. Yourself, you Graham. What have you been up to? Uh, again, excluding surplus steel, which took up a lot of time. Once that was finished, um, I was able to get back into just essentially uh, practice. So again, there's not a lot of pests around, uh, excluding the odd rabbit. Um, it's, it's so hot; everything's hiding. So I've been getting back into positional practice, uh, be it with the 22 and with the 223 mostly. Um, we did a session with Wes and um, and Michael Wilkie uh, recently, just again practicing, mocking up little stages um, for the 22 and for their um, the center fires. <clears throat> did a bit of tripod practice, not that I really need that because I don't use it that often, but um, just a bunch of stuff like that. And so that's been good getting back into a groove And because um, I was quite slack over most of the first month of this year and, and, and over Christmas. So 
and mainly just trying to learn to I'm trying to get sharpen up for Tarada essentially which is coming up in a few weeks so just thinking ahead just on your tripod comment do you think there'll be more stages included with them going forward now that they're more prevalent they've become more common or mainstream up here that's a good question I see I see the I, I see the classes merging back together again at some point practical and open and then having stage specific allowances for tripods yeah so you'll actually yeah it won't be an afterthought no no so no. it'll be like this one does allow it or or there might be yeah. ones that as is an advantage and and those sorts of things i mean to be fair like i should i said we i don't really need to practice it we're going down to the mountain challenge in march um, yeah so we probably do need to practice it um but um yeah so so in that case you'd you'd probably have a tripod available on a stage like that for shooters that don't have one uh i as, <laughs> or bring your yeah as a match director i would be conscious of how i built the squads to include uh, at least a couple of shooters i know who have them or i'd ask competitors hey listen do you have a tripod just when they're booking and that'll um that'll just allow us because i've never met anyone who won't sort of share a little bit of gear and, no and, and we'll get around it that way and now sometimes when we've built stages in the past <clears throat> that allowed so like my the, the the practical 22 match we done back in september or october or whatever it was there was stages that allowed tripod and it, it could be quite doable with a tripod usable um, an advantage but um, you could shoot it positionally unsupported position as well and which saved you a bit of time so um, yeah, so so I guess what I'm driving at then is, I'd rather see a tripod only stage without other supports, just basically to get, so it actually makes a dedicated use of it. If I was, if I think if we do that, it would be, I hate the idea of just a flat paddock where you have a tripod. That just seems like the stupidest thing ever to me. But it would be. I walk around flat paddocks with a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it would be on the side of a hill or something where you have to deploy it and use it to make use. I'm, not, I'm not saying it can't be complex i'm just saying yeah the, yeah so we could, the, we could it's the dominant it, yes. part of the stage not just um yes we could do that someone dippily hanging onto the back of it is stability or something yeah oh yeah no that's horrendous no but it would be like off the side of mount doom or something you know in a real yeah. tricky position where you've got a so the skill in the tripod is not just using it to make your shot easier it's how you deploy it in a way that still works well um, would be yeah. where i'd want to see that yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, no, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Um, yeah, um, and then other than that, um, oh, we're doing a little bit with the 6.5 PRC, not, again, not as much as I'd like, just with match prep, but um, starting to stretch, we've stretched that out to a mile now. Um, probably leave that for a further post, but we're liking the 6.5 PRC. Yeah. yeah, I've burned through some of the factory ammo I got to get rid of it, so. Yeah. And it was really good at a K, so had no issues with the rpr yeah as an aside we've had someone scope themselves with a 50 bmg so that was great <laughs> after you told them not to yeah um, well yeah they had one shot and i said no you're gonna be they would um yeah i should have really checked that they were super familiar with firearms i suppose well you know in terms of practical use because they were sort of bunching up with the scope i was like, no, you'll be way back further than that 
and then they came back for a second shot <laughs> and um i had a peek oh, i said no he looks far enough away but he still managed to smack himself in the face so so he's not controlling the rifle and short eye relief thing eh? a little bit I ran into the guy, uh, someone today and he said, oh, he's pr- quite proud of it. He's pretty <laughs> so, proud of it. That's always been an embarrassing thing, I thought. To... Yeah, well, when it's called an idiot cut, it doesn't, it's not exactly a, yeah. a uh, prideful name of a thing. Yeah. But he didn't yeah. whack himself too hard, so it was all right. Uh, no stitches? No. I actually think, ex- so as speaking of scoping yourself, because, I mean, podcasts shouldn't be too structured, right? We should be able to ramble. Our, our sort of um, incident we're register. We're not CNN. No, we're not CNN. Um, our incident register for turning and online shooting, we have, we've had two scoped like eyes like that I know of. One quite yep. serious that had required um, butterfly stitches anyway, where I had to go and be set in the hospital. That sounds so soft. Yeah, and do you know, and, uh, do you know who did the other one? Carl. Carl did one. Good did he? Yeah, he scoped himself at a little um, hunter's match we done years back, and and then our other our other injury was a um, like a strained hip, um, which was which was more of just a um, painkillers and a, to sit down for the rest of the day. But yeah, so the scope one of them, this this poor bugger, he scoped himself, and he this this chap was an albino, like a proper legitimate albino, and he part of his can, like skin condition and stuff was that he wouldn't grow eyebrows so he split his eyebrow real good so he had this scar that w- for you and me would be covered by your eyebrows um, but instead, instead he had a big bloody cut across there um, oh, well, break out the vivid marker and draw on some eyebrows be fine <laughs> yeah, I've actually to be fair I've got a photo of them all patched up but, but due to it being a personal photo I won't put it online but um, I'll send it to you later Anyway, um, okay, yeah, but other than that, again, it's been practice getting back into the groove of things. So now yeah. the main, um, the main sort of uh, half of this first half of this podcast, we're going to go over Surplus Steel twenty twenty two, which um, was an interesting event for us. Being I, to be fair, I don't actually think we've talked about it too much in the lead up in our previous podcasts. I mean, obviously, if you follow us online, you would have seen plenty of stuff about it. Um, but like I said, it was a. <clears throat> I, I struggle to even call it a field style match because it was so different from what we normally do. But uh, one of our matches, so it's uneven terrain and and that kind of thing, and, and shrubs and bushes, but with bolt action service rifles, so Mausers, three hundred threes, Mosin Gants, if you were slightly retarded, um, you know Swiss K thirty ones, all sorts of things, and then also the the marksman class, which was for um, period sniper rifles and DMRs. Um, we sort of went above and beyond with the theme of the event. So we had um, we had two trenches. I'll touch on those in a minute because they're probably quite cool. We had um, sort of some... Uh, we'll go stage by stage. Stage by stage. So, okay, that's a good idea. So stage one was what you... It was kind of a... Uh, probably the least the thrilling. Of, yeah. The Battle of Mons. Battle of Mons. Each, each one has sort of a themed name. Um, and weirdly, it was the only unsupported standing. Yeah, so Battle of Mons was sort of when they, I, from off the top of my head, when the British stopped the Germans in 1914 as they advanced. Um, and so not a lot of trenches then, right? So I was thinking, yeah, you know, um, unsupported stuff. So that was sort of, it's not, I wouldn't call it an action end, but it was it was um, standing at a couple of targets, at like, uh, sorry, at a target at 100 metres. Then there was a sitting or kneeling at 150, and then a unsupported prone 
at um, about 200 meters. Now, one thing I should mention is the targets were, uh, for the most part, indicative of combat targets. Now, we we would avoid that with our precision stuff. We don't run silhouettes for the most part. We, we don't theme anything around that kind of thing. But for this shoot being surplus stuff, we were like full on. Everything had a military theme. So the closer targets were a roughly headshot size. The intermediate targets were um, uh, like a sort of a medium size chest size and then out to 300, they're usually about a full size Ipsic silhouette. <clears throat> and they were all unknown distances. Apart from one stage gave you a clue what the distance roughly. Yeah, so which, the, the which everyone, everyone actually thoroughly enjoyed. I um, yeah, I expected because there's no ranging, and you just got up, got up and shot basically and worked it out. So there's no range finders to be used, no ranges given. So I thought that was excellent. I it, um, yeah, I, I expected complaints because Simon said to me, "Hey, have you thought about doing this? It's quite nasty, you know." He said, "But they have they had no range finders, no infantry portable range finders during the first or second world war." No. And I was thinking, no, they fucking didn't, man. And now there was some times, you know, they'd have a rough range on something, but the majority of the time, no, especially not combat troops. So we ran with this idea, and it, like you said, it was good. You, the, the, the pre-stage admin that soaks up so much time in our precision matches as everyone fucks around on their kestrels or their phones or their data book, um, that was gone, right? Now, yeah. we, we did allow squads to, being that it was military-themed, work as a squad. So if Mark shot, for example, <clears throat> he would go, actually, hey, I was on my I was on my 300-meter setting for that, and I was hitting pretty good. Um, he could relay that information to his squad. Um, and they also were allowed to spot for each other with um, binoculars or a spotting scope, uh, but obviously nothing with range-finding capabilities. And they could, they could say to their fellow competitors, or the RO could for that matter, hey, listen, you're just underneath the target, or you're just low or left, or... Um, something along those lines and so so that so that's that out of the way so the first target it was all unsupported stuff which was pretty fun but we, we didn't want to do too much of that um, which to the disappointment of the service rifle guys who were particularly good at that um, and then so from there they moved on to stage two sniper's hide sniper's hide now this stage was a Gillis practical rifle event special so we essentially just gave him the stage to design um, targets and he dug so you explain you explain what he built there so, right well I have a different uh, essentially a low and narrow um, slit obscured by foliage made out of chicken wire and basically you had to lie down you had basically no torso height type gap to slide under um, apparently for left-handed people that was a problem but whatever uh, <coughs> We do try and accommodate them, but they do die seven years early, so we can't accommodate everyone. Um, what else? Essentially, yeah, you're shooting off the top of a hill that was obscured anyway. There was trees and that on top, so that made it um, quite tight to manoeuvre around and find the targets, or to basically, yeah, once you got in there sort of thing. So, yeah, I think probably one of the stages we lower scoring stages of the day um a lot of shooters found it quite hard from that position so yeah um when we asked at the end of the day a lot of shooters seem to put it as one of their favorite stages 
Yeah, but yeah. I, I just looked at the hit rates. I think it wasn't that great for quite a few on that. So I, I will say, so the, the sniper's hide, the, the idea behind a sniper's hide is that, as I'm, I'm aware, in a military style, the, the, the snipers would sort of infiltrate at night, create this scrape in the ground, cover it in, use natural foliage, etc., and so by daybreak or whatever the situation is, that sort of essentially set in there, covered and observing their whatever. So and that's the idea that it was kind of a um, a stage where you uh, for the for, mostly we'll talk about the infantry class because that's mostly it is. So you you take out your intended target, which was pretty much bang on three hundred meters. You, you hit them several times. And You're then, talking World War One. Whatever, um, and they still. So, just, so once the artillery barrage is over your a large uh, crater, spread over a wide area, you'd be surprised. Um, and then what would happen? You'd have say you had a set amount of time to engage that target, and then for your last minute, you had to engage a closer target, which was around 140 meters, I think, and it was only a 250 millimeter sort of disc, so that headshot size. But the idea being that that close target was a. Um, a sentry or a, or a guard who had noticed your position and you then had to engage that target several times yeah um, on quite an angle change um stage three lone pine people will remember that from the winter shoot um yes the famous remu tree yep uh you can talk about that because i really didn't go and have a good look at it so, <laughs> so that, this was again this for infantry class um it was essentially a cluster of Four, five, four targets at about 150 to 170 meters, with the idea that they were um, from a sort of semi-covered position. It was nice and shady up there, which was lovely. You sort of were shooting off the tree limbs, um, that you were to engage these four targets two times each. Um, so reasonably similar distances, kind of a tricky position, and quite a tight time limit. So the idea was that you were. Again, it was in like an ambush-style stage. Um, actually, to be fair, a very simple stage, like nothing complicated with targets. The position was tricky, but nothing crazy. But it was still quite a hard stage to clear. Um, you couldn't take too much time getting a perfect position. Uh, and then the marksman did a similar thing through a loophole there. But yeah, that was, again, fun stage. I didn't clear it. Uh, I, I, will, I, will, I will interject to the explanation of stages here. So I competed in this event which was pretty cool and mark took over match director role for the first time so we'll probably talk about that at the end of the day so yeah so i may reference shooting it a bit more um no i just drove around yelling at people (laughs) um and then we make sure i didn't need to but there's another thing from that shoot we felt that uh sportsmanship behavior and overall enjoyment competitors of the day was probably one of the best we've seen so yes and, and uh safety um was exceptional just one nd not much else to really report so yeah um and yeah people read the rules and didn't stand around trying to work out ways around them to a degree so yes. each stage yeah that, that was a uh, a nice relief not that we have it all the time but we do have a bit of that in our precision stuff um, so did shape because there weren't people from a certain region but we won't go there <laughs> <laughs> um uh, the bay of something Yes, yes. No, and then... So And then we went on to stage four, which was... Yeah, with the tank. The tank. So this is the first of our trenches, right? So again, there'll be, a, there'll be a... This is the initial trench that appeared on Facebook if you or Instagram. You can have a look back through. So this was a sort of a, a mini 
trench, maybe, I don't know, two metres long, and maybe a, oh, shit, six, seven hundred millimetres deep, and then we had a sandbagged wall in front of it, you know, we, we dug out all the fill. This was on top of a hill, a uh, prick of a thing to dig, God, um, but anyway, that got dug, <laughs> the bacon your, your grunts, yeah, I, I, apparently you weren't doing a lot of digging there, Graham, you are more overseeing. Yeah, I'm not even going to argue with that. Me and Jeff, I did. I dug more than Jeff, who will be listening to this tomorrow, and he'll agree with me. <laughs> to, to be sometimes people are just clearly superior at something, and yeah. there's no point wasting your time. You're getting in their way. No, no, and um, <laughs> a damn fine enlisted man's job. Yeah, yeah. I, I was match director, not trench yeah. digger. No, I, yeah, I did a little yeah. bit. I did the hard work before Carl got there. That's what I was saying. Um, but anyway, so this this stage, so being that this was the sort of longer range stage for the infantry class, I didn't just want to put a big plate out there. It was it was about three hundred eighty meters or three hundred eighty five meters or something. I didn't just want a big plate, right? Because I'm like, was well, it that far? Yeah, I'm thinking. Oh yeah, we'll be here. I'm thinking, you know what? It has to have a theme, and I can't just go. It's just a big plate. Deal with it. Now it's got to be something. You've got to be a, engaging something. So we, <laughs> I made a. I'll say large, not too big, but a, a sort of plywood cut out of a of a tank, and then the idea was that it had the the engine compartment was damaged or something, and you could have armor, and you were you were shooting at the engine of the tank, so it was a, uh, a six hundred millimeter square plate towards the rear of the tank. Actually, I'll you should take a photo if you're over there, Mark, of the, of the tank and all the bullet holes in it, but. The idea was that you were trying to will, knock, yeah. knock out the tank. So this this stage is called... It's been pummeled. It's been pummeled. It's called a Chung Panzer, which is a, a famous line, but Panzer being tank in German. And then for the marksman class, what they had was a 66% Ipsic silhouette sitting up above the tank turret. And the idea was for the marksman, they had to take out the tank commander. And then for the infantry class, they took out the, the tank itself using um, their special issued armour-piercing ammunition. Full disclosure for the New Zealand police, they were not using armour-piercing ammunition. They were using normal ball ammo. It was just how we themed it. <clears throat> so that was, yeah, again, now in this stage, um, we had a note in the stage attraction that um, intel, there was some intel, right, that the uh, the tank was last spotted at approximately 400 yards, I think, I think we wrote or something along those lines. So just to give them a bit of a chance um, to... Um, successfully engaged the target now the the area where the tank was positioned was incredibly dusty so it was with the naked eye you could spot your shot or your or your fellow competitors could so um, although we did have a full-time RO on that stage assisting with spotting but um that was a pretty fun stage the same thing you shot from on top of the sandbag wall I think the idea was sort of you had 10 rounds and it was like four hits or three hits through the on the top, and then three hits through a cubby hole in the wall, like a little loophole, um, which is quite awkward. Um, another fun stage. I'm not actually sure if anybody cleared it. I should have a look. But um, yeah, I'm someone, pretty sure people did. Someone did. That's cool. And um, maybe. Yeah, and so again, another theme stage. We didn't just want to have a big target down there. I think the idea with the shooter wasn't just like here's a target, hit the target. We wanted everything to have a sort of a rough. Um, Theme. Oh no, heaps of people clear this stage. <laughs> Two, four, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, so if you getting the yeah. distance helps. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Um, although to be fair, through the day, a lot of people clear a lot of stages. What are all those open sites in yards? Uh, 
the British and the American stuff's yards. European is meters. Russians would be early Russians would be ursangs or some fucking weird shit before they become models. well they become communists and they adopted the metric system probably the, the one good yeah. decision they made <laughs> during that regime anyway um yeah and so again that was another real fun stage i thought so anyway uh, as a competitor that was actually my last stage of the day um and i how well did i do on that stage not particularly i got half points so i got um three hits or something anyway um from there, we moved along to the next stage. Stage five, Baldwin. Which was called Baldwin. No one picked up on the name. No. Anyway, so in this stage, you had a prop gun. Prop in air quotes. And this was a true prop because it was, well, technically prop stands for property. But anyway, this was just a, we, we sort of really roughly mocked up a, like a Vickers machine gun and just out of scrap steel. Obviously not a working firearm just something that has a similarity in shape and weight to it because which was a belt fed machine gun from the first second world war era and again use right up through to the 70s <clears throat> now the idea you started sort of um back a reasonable amount back from the shoot position your rifle was staged at the position itself which was sort of between two trees and a little log again in the shade which was nice for competitors so the competitors started all the way back they had the prop gun in hand they advanced forward. We had a couple of reasonable sized trees had fallen down. So we, Simon dragged those up and he put camo nets over them and you sort of had to drag the, the um, prop gun under through um, some fucking you know, sticks and shit and camo net hanging down. And me thinking it would be really fun to wear period webbing from the First World War. <laughs> my webbing got uh, on the center of my back, got caught on the net and I got rather stranded for a little bit. But anyway... So you drag the gun under there, you'd stage the prop gun like you yeah, either... You look super comfortable all day running over that <laughs> I felt cool though. Um, so yeah, so you'd, the idea was that you'd either retrieved the machine gun in a trench raid or you had, um, were taking it forward for your fellow um, machine gunners to use. So you stage the gun, you'd then move forward to your position where your unloaded rifle was staged. You'd then um, throw a strip or clip of ammo in and engage several targets. So that was a pretty fun stage, a little bit of movement, a little bit of you know fun dragging this um, heavy bloody thing around. Not too heavy. Um, uh, and I think, how many people did well on that? Uh, quite a few did pretty well on that too. Uh, a couple zeros actually, weirdly, which is bizarre because it wasn't too hard. Um, which I'd probably put down to people not having familiarity with their rifles. Uh, yeah, it was... Some pretty low scores. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, to be, I actually think the closest target at 100 meters was not that big in 200 mils. So maybe, yeah. maybe I could have increased the target size there as a learning. I mean, people shot super well, and but some obviously real battle with their I'd open say, sights and their rifles all day. So it, it was quite a probably the widest breadth I've seen in a shoot of from that, good to bad. That's given 48 shooters. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so what's the next stage after Baldwin? Uh, pull the pin. So this stage, another yep. themed stage. Um, Good grenades though. Yeah. So what we did it was up again. It was up on this. We found a. Did nice you get penalised if you didn't pull the pins? If you didn't pull the pins, you didn't get any points. Was, was how it was, should have been run by the RO. Not, I hadn't talked to him about that, but um, I. So that we. So I'll explain the grenades before we have the um, uh, the the police kick my door down. 
so they were just bits of 50 millimeter round bar so solid yeah. bar <clears throat> and they were had a little uh, stub of smaller pipe welded on the top with a little pin through them and a hole through it and they had a little pull pin so the idea was you pulled the pin on the grenade and we had two grenades per competitor for the stage and you threw it you were sort of on the side of a hill down over some bushes and we mocked up a little window frame uh, period correct size turns out they had small windows back in the day because glass was expensive and the idea was that to get a few um, bonus points so it was three points if you got it through and then three points again if you got it through in your second throw you would um, potentially gain a few points in the competition and maybe it could be what put you in the lead right so um, yeah so you'd throw these you'd, again you'd, this, the rifle was staged at the prop now the prop was a sort of wall we built out of some of Mark's um, what we thought were old posts but it turns out they were good posts and we didn't damage them and then so your rifle was staged unloaded you'd start back at the grenade position throw your grenades whether you got them through or not you then move forward and engage your targets uh, another popular stage and nobody at all cleared the stage so maybe they got the hits on the targets but they didn't get the grenades or maybe they missed some targets but they got the grenades through and not too many zeros there pretty fun stage to be fair and uh, we had a lot of compliments on that um no matter how mature you are grown-ass men like to pretend to throw grenades um yeah now one thing i'll say uh, if we um bow to public pressure and do do the shoot again um i will make a window frame out of something a bit more substantial because <laughs> but it was it was constructed out of like sort of three by twos and by the end of the day it was rather smashed it was still usable but it's um it's looking rather sad and sorry um to be fair if you shot it towards the end of the day you were more likely to get your grenade through as um some of the cross braces got smashed out of the way um so, so maybe we can make it bigger i don't know yeah what do you All think right. mark keep it the same size or just make it so it doesn't break for god's sake yeah i think the size i don't think it should have been too easy i think it should have been like a hard little challenge to potentially no it was fine with. Yeah. You get one, you get one through if you sort it out. Yeah, I, I got one through, which I was pretty. Just don't with. throw like a girl. I actually, to be fair, this was one of my bad stages from memory. Um, I got one through, full of confidence. Got up, loaded my, my loaded my rifle, smacked the first target. Here we go, I'm on fire, and then I proceeded to miss everything else. And they weren't even that hard targets, to be fair. Um, and it just really, I'm, I'm not gonna say it ruined my chances of winning because that was never gonna happen. But um. Yeah, really cooked my score um at that and one other stage but i was full of confidence man got a grenade through hit that first target and then it was just miss 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 um yeah but it was still a fun stage the prop was really cool um did you actually get a chance to get up there and, and, and into the hole and, and, and watch the stage mate yeah yeah no i did yeah so pretty. i had a, I had a muck around practicing it as well so yeah have you shot it with your new milsuit rifle no Oh, we should we should do it before we pull those targets down. But anyway, um, so what was the next stage we went to? It was bleeding out. So stage seven. Do you want to explain this one, Mark? Uh, yep. You had a uh, thirty-five kilo dummy, so it wasn't Lee. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, a gollywog and overalls so to, the, to be official yeah so uh, these are for sorry i'll just they are for um uh, training 
body recovery and that kind of thing through uh, police forces, oil and gas, fire departments and stuff like that. So they're, they're for people to train on how to recover injured peoples or, or the like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Drag them by the neck, it seems like, from what I saw. That's what people did, yes. Uh, so you basically had to run... No, hold on. Yeah, it was like a bank at stage, so you had to actually run at the end. So you shot at some targets um, out there off a log, low down to the ground. So basically a prone log-type shot. Uh, and then if basically you had to work out how much time you had left. I think you marked, was it three targets? Three yeah, targets, was, yeah, closest and, to furthest, and then closest yeah, to furthest. Cl- yeah, so you had to take a cycle through them, that's right. And then basically to, to get the point, you had to get the, your... Um, injured comrade back to the back marker which was about 40 meters probably comrade given the time or whatever <laughs> what a term <laughs> <laughs> um well whatever and so the quickest people could do it under in about 14 seconds yeah if they were lucky so basically people got down to about 20 seconds to go if they were reasonably fleet of foot and the slower ones basically started to go up about 40 seconds so and you could nominate a runner so the people did that obviously because we were, we're all into safety and not overexerting people yes so but, so um, again if, if competitors were more advanced in age or if they had a, a sort of a disability or an injury we allowed that um fat yeah, well yeah like i mean now if you go through the whole day and you get some young fellow to do all the strenuous stuff for you yeah you're not going to be allowed to win you can still place up to second that's fine but you're not going to take the win but not that it really mattered but um, the the idea was that so we, ageist. You're no, just automatically <laughs> saying old people will never win. Like I mean, our, our sort of our um, respective group of people in New Zealand are always accused of being horrible and mean. But um, the idea was that to be a lot of the the gentlemen, the older gentlemen into these guns might want to shoot this, but are not as um, that's right physically able. We wanted to let them come have fun. So. As we get older, Graham will just include Zimmer frames and things to make it easier. As we get older, we'll, we'll end up like we'll change some other the rules matches, and yeah. we we'll end up shooting yeah. out of flat paddocks all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was to be fair, pretty fun. Same thing. Um, you, if you didn't get your your mate, your your your, your um your wounded squad mate back to the first aid or trauma position, whatever you want to call it, which was just a peg, um, he'd bleed out and die, and you would lose all of your points. So it was a it was a test of you got to shoot under a little bit of pressure and time pressure, and then decide. Think I've got some points, but I'm running out of time, so I have to get I have to get um old golly back to the yeah. Back to the aid post. Yeah. And then uh, some people carried him, some dragged him, some, you know, fell over him down the hill. So, so. I carried him for authenticity. Yeah. Um, and to be, this was my first stage I cleared for the day. Um, actually, probably for me, it actually it went quite well. I had heaps of time, um, which was nice. Um, shot well on this one anyway. Um, yeah, a cool stage. Of, yeah. I enjoyed that stage. It was good fun. Yeah. Um, then we're on to uh, number eight, stage eight, which was the piste de resistance or the uh, <laughs> the icing on the cake, whatever, yeah. which was the trench, which was basically uh, an M-shaped trench that was dug. Um, my second only trench digging. So this stage was sponsored by Ahatidi Earthmoving.com forward slash contracting. My piece of shit three and a half ton cat digger. Hey, it digs a good trench. So, yeah, we dug an M-shaped trench with that. I was pretty impressed with my own digging, to be no, fair, considering I, I, I'm pretty crap at it. So so this this one here, we we purposefully didn't put any pictures online of 
I mean, not that it was complete until the day before, but no, we didn't. We didn't. Now we teased there's going to be some holes in the ground, right? Because we like to do over the top and fun yeah. stuff. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't let on how cool this trench was. And I'm so not going to lie, I was hoping you were going to say dig a dig a crater because I'm pretty messy with a digger. I could dig a crater no problem. We'll, we'll dig a, We'll dig Just one of those a, as well next time. Okay. A messy fucking hole. So, <laughs> so this. So this. Um, Again, like Mark said, you had, you had a zig and a zag. and um, So the idea was that when competitors, they they, they walked up to the, the last stage of the day, or it might be their first or second, whatever it worked out to be, they were you couldn't really see it from the other positions. You could see a bit of dirt, but that, that, that just um, the idea was that they'd just be like, kind of like, holy shit, this is awesome. And like the, like the pulling of the pins and throwing the fake grenades, um, or in the sniper's hide, playing army like with kids. Man, everyone was just that I seen. They were into it, man. They they were just wouldn't stop talking about how cool it was. So um, you actually. So this was also our bayonet stage. So if you had a bayonet for your rifle and you were happy to um, stab at things with it, we had along um, the first section of the trench, and essentially they were the bayonet dummies. Um, if you've seen old training photos from the first sequel wars, they'd just stab at them large sacks full of hay or straw, depending on the part of the wilderness. Um, we just made similar to that. It was just a, it was just a hessian sack with, um, with with hay stuffed in it, and um, it was suspended. And um, so, if you had your own bayonet, you'd um, so this stage, um, what we done there is we had the rifle with a loaded mag on a confirmed empty chamber, hundred percent double checked by the RO, da da da, dead trigger and all that. So if you had your own rifle, you'd, um, with a bayonet, you'd move along, bayonet first dummy, keeping the rifle pointed up as you moved, move along the trench, bayonet the second dummy, and then you shot through three sort of tight cubby hole, loophole type windows that we'd made and, and, and that were through the trench wall, because obviously you wouldn't just stand up above your trench. Slits. 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 Yeah, slits. Cool. Um, they were quite challenging, but I, think, sluts. I, <laughs> I think good. Um, Again, because if it was trench wolfy, you're not just going to poke your head up, right? You, you, the top of your head would get shot off. So, now for the people who didn't want to use their bayonet or didn't have a bayonet, we had an old Mosin Nagant there, and what we did is we removed the trigger. We um, had no bolt in it, and just to be extra, extra, super safe, we had or over the top safe, we had a trigger lock through the action that had a bayonet on it, and then so competitors could use this as a the, their bayoneting rifle. And their rifle would be staged at the first um, shoot position, and so yeah, people loved it. You said moving along, stabbing these um, these sort of uh, these training dummies we've built, and you had to bayonet them as part of the stage brief. Now you did not get points for them because, like, how did, you know it's pointless giving points for something so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I didn't I didn't see anyone miss put it that way. No, so. Um, and so but it was just fun, you know. Like it's it's just. I mean, okay, there's, there's people have served and we've got a lot of friends still in the military and they're probably like, oh, okay, whatever, you fucking idiots. But man, for us guys, it was just something, it was fun. You moved down the trench, I, stabbed these I did award style points to one person, so. Yeah, yeah. people were yelling and screaming. Only, only one of the day, we, we basically, hit, his, his war cry was pretty impressive. So. I, I did hear from several stages away, someone shout at the top of their lungs, freedom, like out of Braveheart. <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm only assuming they come from that trench. <laughs> it must have been someone with a maybe a Scottish heritage or something. But anyway, yeah. and and then you proceeded to engage um, uh, close and along 
uh, what, 100 meter and a 200 meter target. Um, so the, the actual shooting wasn't that hard. No, it was a good stage though. It was well planned and um, time was good. It was people could, you know, if you had a bit of trouble, you just had enough time. But if you did well, you finished with a fair bit of time up your sleeve. So, but it allowed certainly people had a few, you know a few issues using your own bayonet caught a few people out. So basically, couldn't detach it. And when you get to the slits, you really need to have that off the gun to be able to get a good position through the. Yeah. through the slits or, and even, even even the fact that it's it's causing the your accuracy to go out by um, touching against the side of the, the wooden part of the structure and stuff so yeah and a lot there's, of them complication the, yeah a yeah. lot of them mount on the barrel especially on the 303s no that's what I'm saying as well yeah Gosh. so it's moving easier and then but like Carl who, who ran a, um, a Mauser they, they don't mount on the barrel so his point of aim is the same so he, he yeah. wasn't too fussed right uh, which is cool um yeah, I, to be fair, probably my favourite stage of the day, just for the pure fun of it, um, yeah. I think. I don't know if I cleared it, though. Let me have a look. No, I did. It was the only other stage I cleared for the day. Um, good. So, so who was our top three in the end? Our top three? Um, infant, we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Marksman. So, again, I haven't talked about Marksman as much. Marksman didn't have a lot of entries. Um, I'd put that down to the cost of way, the firearms. You could be top four. You could be top four. <laughs> so, so um, in third, we had Hamish from NZ Millsips. He was shooting this beautiful ZFK. Nice gun. Beautiful gun. Um, and, and third, uh, sorry, in second, we had uh, Kevin. I won't say last names. Um, if it's people we don't deal with regularly, you know. He was shooting a, um, a replica of a... Oh, shit, I, th- I forget the model, the model designation. It's like an L.A. It was a 308 conversion of the 303 sniper that was sort of in the 60s and 70s that we used here yeah. in New Zealand. Um, he shot pretty well, and he shot pretty good. And then, to no surprise to anybody, um, Simon Gillis took out first in Marksman with a very well shot day, um, clearing three stages, scoring high on nearly all of them apart from the grenade stage. And he didn't shoot that well on trench stage, which is bizarre um, although to be fair the trench stage for scoped guns was particularly hard the the, the little um, slits you shot through weren't that easy for a scoped rifle yeah it wasn't up its alley really so no, I could, we didn't really test it for that but no oh, that's my fault but um but um is what it is <laughs> um although i went and shot it on um with my 223 on um sunday and i tell you what a muzzle break through those holes wasn't a good idea it was horrendous but I could only just see the targets. 